The pre-med path can be super confusing. If you'd love some help on your path or on your applications, use the promo code PMY for pre-med years, PMY over at medicalschoolhq.net and get some help from some of our experts, former directors of admissions, admissions officers, other experts. We have a small team ready to help you today. Again, that's promo code PMY to get a discount on our services at medicalschoolhq.net. If you're applying to medical school in 2022 to start medical school in 2023, join me Wednesday or Thursday, Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern or Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern at premedworkshop.com. Go register today. I'm going to show you how to tell your story in your application. Again, that's premedworkshop.com. If you are applying to medical school in 2022, be there or be square. The Pre-Med Year, session number 441. Hello, and welcome to The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Thank you so much for joining me today here on The Pre-Med Years. I have an amazing guest who has a great story with tons of encouragement and motivation for you. Before we jump into that story, I want to mention our MCAT Minute sponsored by Blueprint MCAT. It's May. Did you know that registration is open now for July, August, and September dates? Don't forget to go register for the MCAT as soon as you can. Not necessarily as soon as you feel ready, because we're never going to feel ready. And especially right now with refunds being issued by the AAMC, which is very, very nice of them because of COVID, it doesn't hurt to go register for your seat so that you have a seat that you know will be there when you want to take the test. Go register for your July, August, or September date right now and go check out blueprintmcat.com for all of your MCAT needs. Again, that's blueprintmcat.com. So today's guest is a student who I was lucky enough to work with through the application cycle last year and is one of the last students who I'm working with one-on-one for an application cycle. If you want to work with me for your application, Application Academy for 2020. Two is now open to register and save your spot. We filled up last year, our first year doing that. And if you want to go check it out, go to applicationacademy.com. But our guest today is is someone who just exudes encouragement and, and enthusiasm. And I loved talking to her today. She's a student who is an immigrant to this country, who had to overcome a ton to do well in school, to prove to medical schools that this is what she wants. And even with as hard as she worked, because she's an ESL student, because of everything that she had to overcome, and she talks about some of that stress in our conversation today, her stats weren't great, but they were good enough. I talk about this all the time. Your your stats have to be good enough. Now, that doesn't mean I don't want you to go slack. I want you to work as hard as you can. But everybody's individual situation is going to dictate a different endpoint. And so our student today had overcome a ton, multiple acceptances, multiple scholarship offers. And here she is to tell her story right now. 
Tauntaun, welcome to the Prima Dears. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, thank you for inviting me to be a part of your podcast and potentially YouTube. It's such a pleasure uh, for me to be here with you and everyone. It's a pleasure to have you here. I'm excited to share your story with the world because yours is a story of overcoming and eventually being successful, um, very successful with this application cycle. But before we jump into that, let's start with my favorite question. When did you realize you wanted, you needed to be a physician? Um, that's a very great question. I got this every time. <laughs> Um, during my interview, but the moment where when I knew that I wanted to become a doctor was when I was doing a lot of research on my mother's condition. Um, I was born and raised in Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam for the first 14 years of my life. So um, when I came here with my one of my younger sisters, it was the time where there were just two of us and we had an uncle, but aside from that, there were just no one else who was able to help us navigate the healthcare system and everything. And why we were able to have a much better life here, I saw how my parents, but specifically my mother suffering so much from chronic conditions and the financial crisis in Vietnam and just seeing her struggle so much and not being able to help her answer any questions she has about the conditions. Mm. And I start getting really curious about things. And here in America, I start learning about the power of Googling <laughs> and doing research on um, her conditions and translating um, from English to Vietnamese for her. I, I, I felt frustrated for not being able to answer everything. Mm. And so that was the very first time it got to me that, oh, Tantan, like, wow, you're doing all this. It looks like this got you you kind of have a skill of 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 yeah, researching on her conditions and kind of answering a little bit of uh, the information questions she had. Have you ever thought of becoming a doctor? <laughs> and so that was the very first thought that came to me. Yeah. So an immigrant to this country, why why did you have the the uh, the knowledge, the encouragement that you could be a doctor. A lot of a lot of immigrants in your situation would just go, I'm an immigrant. I I, I can't go to medical school here. I'm not gonna get in. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. I don't the English wasn't my first language. What what gave you the the I can't think of the right word, the the, the motivation, the encouragement, uh the the confidence that you could do this. Okay, like a couple a couple reasons. First, I have never ever had a thought of giving up. Not once. I took a total of four gap years. I graduated from Davis in 2016. I mean 16, and when I applied to medical school was in 2020. Mm -hmm. And I vividly remember that during all these years, not once have I told myself that, oh my God, Tantan, you are stupid. You're not smart. I have never said anything negative about myself. So the first thing to answer your question is, and, and this goes to all pre-med students out there, immigrants, people who are struggling with chronic conditions, not having the support you need, is to really ask yourself why you are doing, why you chose to go into this field. Because I consistently ask myself again and again, is that, okay, you have a really unique set of circumstances and all these things, but why 
do you choose to become a doctor, not a PA, not a nurse? I consistently ask myself, not from med school, not from the application, but for myself, yeah. is to know because if I, when I truly figure out the answer to that, it is the source of the motivation for me to figure out why I want to go into medicine. And when I truly know who I really am and what my strength and my weaknesses are, it is so easy for me to continuously be positive. Uh, be resilient no matter how tough things can be because I know that when it's the right time for me, then I will apply to med school. Now, uh, when I was in the process of, of applying, of course, I have some self-doubt and concern of not getting in. But prior to that, I knew that when it was the right time for me, when I had all the elements ready, I will get in. So kind of to answer your question is the first reason is my personality, the truly understanding the source of my motivation and why I want to go into medicine. medicine. And the second reason is um, to have a strong support system. And I, I know that I don't have my parents here and I'm the eldest in my family. I'm the only one who can speak English fluently and to really navigate through everything on my own. So I, I, take an initiative in asking for help um, from my mentors, from all the students who um, who are in the same process like me, people who came from really disadvantaged backgrounds so that I know I'm not alone. And, and that is one thing that I see um, in a lot of minority students who are struggling so hard is that they think that they are the only one who's suffering. And, and to really know that you are not alone, it makes it so easy for me to consistently get motivated. And even when there's that time where I'm upset and I'm frustrated, I know I'm able to pick myself back up. Yeah. You're big into mindfulness, if I remember correctly. How, how much of your mindfulness practice do you think helps you with that mindset? Oh, my God. I love this question. I wish I could give you a hug. Um, I really, <laughs> oh my God, it is such a great question because I'm sure you you love you you told me how you love listening to podcasts and there are so many monks um, people who ask monks and um, meditation practitioner long term meditation practitioner that question and it's so funny. I was thinking about that earlier too. Frankly. If I'm not exaggerating it, it is all the time. It's a 100% effort. The benefits that mindfulness has really helping me. For example, when I'm talking to you right now, if you asked the um, younger version of me four or five years ago, I would be so nervous and kind of having the idea everywhere. But right now I'm able to be really calm and to really show my vulnerabilities and my stories with you. And so with this whole application process, the mindfulness helps prevent me from adding another layer to my thoughts. Mm -hmm. So I can just, I remember when I was typing my secondaries, right? I was like, oh, okay, well, that is a lot. Okay, that is a lot, but I don't tell, I don't, I didn't add another layer of my thought process that, oh my God, that is a lot. I'm so slow. I'm not smart enough. I'm not a good writer because that is a second thought of being so judgmental yeah. uh, to yourself and comparing yourself to others because as cliche as it sounds, that is all I got. And because I love myself so much, I'm not going to put myself at a disservice or, you know, like adding those negative layers to who I really am. And so that mindfulness 
helps me simplify my thoughts and to truly see things as it is. And I'm, I'm, as I'm telling you that, it is a constant daily practice because it is really difficult. <laughs> One time get tough. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. We're, we'll come back to mindfulness at the end. I want to see if we can help some students with some mindfulness stuff. But let's let's talk about the start of your pre-med journey. You get to college. How, how was that transition from obviously coming here to the States at 14, coming to a new educational system, going to high school here, and then starting college here? What was that transition like for you? And did, were there any hiccups along the way when you started college? Oh my God, absolutely. If you can think of all the worst things that could possibly happen, it happened. First, I uh, got adopted and I resettled in Rancho Cordova and it's in the Sacramento County. So it's more, um, uh, uh, compared to all the cities within the county, is pretty impoverished. Um, a lot of students, they, a lot of uh, my friends who went to the high school there were um, in gangs, using drugs, and, and, and there are some dark jokes about it. I'm not going to mention here, but it's pretty much a lot of people dropped out. Mm. And so I, as, as a student at the time, because in high school, I I ranked, um, I, I was one in the top 10, but it was not because I knew how to study. I simply did the homework that nobody did. Okay. So, so because nobody did the homework and I was the one who diligently study and did the work. I got into Davis. And so I thought I was the smart one. Wow, you know, so smart. And so the idea of having to study every day and not and not studying uh, and not studying a couple of days before was very foreign to me. It, and I was so stubborn. I got to say, I'm a very stubborn person. And I was so stubborn with the idea that, wow, like, are you serious? You have to study every day. And Davis was um, Davis running on the quarter system. So within a week or two weeks, the funds, the fun was over, and all of a sudden you start having tests, and the classroom were huge, and everybody, oh, I, if I'm being honest to you, everybody seemed like they had everything together. <laughs> when I was 18 at the time. I really thought so. I didn't know that people were actually struggling just like me, yeah. and. And, and the teacher said all these things, the typical thing you have heard from organic chemistry professor, if you didn't do well in this class, you would not be able to go to med school and become a doctor. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm screwed. And and so that not not knowing how to study, being so afraid of, of raising my hands in class just because I didn't want to stand out. I didn't want people to think I was not smart enough. And um, comparing myself to others and adding on the layers of being an immigrant and not actually having parents, family here. That was the time where it finally hit to me. And it didn't hit me during high school was that, wow, I wish I had family here who could take me out to dinner because I started getting to see other kids with their family sending care packages. And so an identity crisis, like am I Vietnamese? Am I American? So combination of everything, lack of studying skills, um, not being so stubborn and not uh, was not willing to ask for help. The third thing is mental health, not uh, dealing with so much problems that my families was dealing with in Vietnam and at the same time didn't have the coping skills to um, deal with kind of those problems more effectively. So a combination of all those things resulted in not very awesome grades 
Yeah. You, uh, I, because I, I know your awesome uh, advisor or mentor at Davis, uh, you, as far as I know, utilized your pre-health office at, at Davis very well. Talk, talk about kind of the, the impact that, that utilizing your pre-health office had on your journey as a pre-med. Okay. Um, honestly, I went, I attended Davis in 2011. Wow. I paused for a second. (laughs) Yes. 2011. And, um, wow, it felt like so long ago, but during (laughs) that time there was no active, um, pre-health advising resources, not only until then the director, um, Miss Joanne Snap, she came in around 2014 or so. Mm-hmm. And that was when I was going to leave Davis in a year or two. And everything was so really new at the time that it wasn't organized as it is now. So I did, frankly, I didn't do so much of the resources. Mm-hmm. I did remember one advisor I don't remember uh, one advisor sitting me down and asking how many C's I had. And she advised me to do um, podiatric school or she was saying something along the line that, wow, with your circumstances you have, I think it's going to be really hard for you to go into medicine because you got to be selfish in medicine. And boy, you have to be selfish. Yeah. Selfish as like thinking of yourself first, putting yourself um, above all the people's needs, which in reality <laughs> has some sort of truth in meaning as like, I, I think, I guess I'm trying to think of her comments lightly as creating boundaries. Again, that could have been what she meant, but I think that kind of took a long time for me to really process what she was saying and not letting it, not absorbing what she was saying. And so kind of to answer your question during my time, um, um, in college, I didn't use it, but during my um, gap years, uh, sorry, not gap years, but during my application process, I got to um, practice the mock MMI interview that they offered, and it was extremely helpful. And I got to say that now UC Davis students must be feeling so blessed to have really amazing, rich resources there, and all the staff there are so willing to help. They are very phenomenal individuals. Yeah. Awesome. What was the hardest part about being a pre-med for you? Easy. I, if I'm being honest to you, it's definitely not school. Now that I, I did my own post back and I was, I, I was able to get really good grades. I have said the hardest part is my family circumstances, being a mother figure to my younger sisters and um, lack of financial resources. Um, and um, drama and these things in the past really added so many um, complicated layers onto the demands of being a pre-med um, student. And so that made it difficult for me to be able to completely stay focused and really research on um, active studying skills that can help me with school. I mean, I have um, I have had a lot of free time during this gap year and have been helping a lot of minority students and they all t- telling they had similar fears and circumstances like mine. And what I realized is that it's not that we are these students and I, we are not smart enough because now that I think about it, it's not about the intelligence. It's really about how can you obtain and utilize resources effectively. And these students didn't have the mind 
to do that because after a long day at work, you know, paying the bills and doing all these things and taking care of their your grandparents living with multiple generations in a family, you get exhausted. You get mentally exhausted. You don't want to do anything. You you can't even absorb things correctly in class. So like, how can you survive and do great in school? Just yeah. honestly, really difficult. Yeah. Yeah, I I can I can only imagine. Talk talk about the the multiple gap years and doing a post back. What led you down that path to realize that you needed to take a pause before applying to medical school, work on some grades? Okay, as I uh, shared earlier with you, I was very stubborn. I, I'm getting much better at it, but I was so 2014 15. You probably a lot of a lot of my friends and I we remembered having a conversation where Tom Tom said, I'm not doing a post back. I'm not gonna do a post back because I heard at the time at the time there was a huge stigma with it. I'm not sure why, but I remember thinking that, oh my God, like if I do a post back, like will somehow at the time, I really thought that it would look bad to medical schools. I know it was so crazy, but I was that naive. And I had a really wrong misconceptions about how to do things. And I was like, you know what? It doesn't matter about the grades. I'm just going to focus on the MCAT. And I don't, that was not a very skillful decision because what I realized is I lacked the foundation anyway. So what could have actually shortened the time is to nail down the foundation, the concepts before tackling the MCAT. And so I took, um, I, I, I honestly actually did try to study for the MCAT a couple of times, but a lot of um, family emergencies um, happened that I took a pause and never took it. Um, and so the turning point was actually when I met you at the uh, UC Davis pre-health conference. And I remember coming up to you and I said, Dr. Gray, I was just like, wow, you're so, I can't believe I'm standing right here with you. <laughs> I was like, wow, he's so famous, like this year. I don't know, I was just like, wow, he's like a star. And everybody was waiting in long line and then it was my turn. And I was telling you that, well, I'm not sure if I should do a post-bac or an informal post-bac, DIY post-bac. Mm. And you said, well, what do you think? And I said, I don't know. I really want to do a post-bac, but it's so expensive and I don't have the money. <laughs> and you said, well, then then you just do a DIY post-bac, you know, being you. Well, you just do a DIY post-bac. And I said, but, and you're like, but what? Like, why? Why don't you, why can't you do it? I mean, like, you know, like it is what it is. And I yeah. said, um, and then, so it turns, well, you were, you know, asking me further questions and pretty much I wanted to do the formal post-bac is because I guess at the time I really needed the connection. And I guess when you're doing something informal and it's not the best version of what you want, you know, there's some sort of fear creeping in that you're not getting the best of everything. Yep. And so I, I came to the realization after talking to you and the dinner was awesome at, at um, I think Thai, Sophia's. Okay, Sophia's. Okay, I forgot the name. Tynacorn. Yes, Tynacorn. Yes, so good. Anna, yes, it was amazing. It's still there, but yep, um, good. Pretty much, I came home. I I do a lot of reflection, and I I I'm I think it was a turning point where I realized that well, that is all you got. Okay, like you just can't compare yourself to others. You don't have the money, but you still want to go to med school. 
So you will do the best you can. Like, I mean, that is the that, universe offering for you. Like, what else can it be? That the 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 last statement was was the core of of everything that I preach. Right? You cannot compare yourself to others. And so when when you came up to me and you're worried about a formal post back versus do it yourself, it was all based on. Well, other people are doing a formal post back and they're going to look better to medical schools and I'm not going to look as good and therefore I'm not going to get in. It's all based on fear of being judged against everyone else. And and I get it, right? This this medical school application process, it's it's competitive. Uh, it's not a competition, but it's competitive. And, and there is this constant fear that we are not doing enough compared to classmates. And it's just, it's a fear that I, I think just doesn't need to be there at all. Put on your blinders, run your own race. And and for you, the, the answer was simple because you're like, I want to do a formal post back. And the want was based in this, well, that will look the best. And that's what other people are doing but I don't have the money. It's too expensive. Well, there's your answer. <laughs> go go do a do-it-yourself post back that you can do now, potentially, that you can afford that's not going to bankrupt you and, and cause other other stresses in your life. Go, go do what works for you. And that's the message that I give to almost every student is do what works for you. And I say almost every because I'm sure I messed up every once in a while. But <laughs> so... You do your post back. What was the difference between undergraduate tauntaun and post back tauntaun to to prove to yourself that this was something you were academically capable of doing? So the okay, bullet points. The undergrad tauntaun was lost, had so much energy. The nature of who I am is I'm very bubbly, but at the time I had so much energy and I didn't know how to modulate it. So when I was taking tests, I got really anxious. And I got to say that when you do a really deep analysis on who you really are, for me, it's deep rooted from the survivor mode. I need to survive because my family relies on me. And this is what the immigrants and the refugees have a lot of this common mindset. We put a lot of pressure on ourselves. Yep. And that actually made it hard for you to focus and do well in school. And so that's the second thing. The third thing is I was too stubborn to ask for help because I truly thought that nobody could understand the circumstances that I was going through. Mm-hmm. And even a therapist would not be able to help me. She would probably give me generic advice. That was my mindset. The fourth thing was passive studying. I worked really hard. I'm being honest with you, I worked so hard, but all the things I did was repeating the same mistakes over and over again. Mm. Not being able to take a step back, looking at what I was doing and ask myself, is this effective? Because I was scared. I was so afraid that I have to change all my studying habits because that means that I have to start anew. I have to restart everything again. And that would be taking too long of a process for me. And so those are the bullet points of the reason why and and comparing myself to others. That is the biggest thing. And it sounds common sense, right? Oh, don't compare yourself to others. But as you were saying earlier, it literally applies to everything in life, like not even medicine in real life. You know, that person had a fancier car than mine, had more money than mine, like going on vacations and all these things. Like I have to be content with what I have. And then. The post-bac student of, of the, that version of me is I 
I, I don't care about what like, I care, but you know what I mean? Like, I don't care about what's going on with in other people's journey in that sense. Like, I'm not going to compare myself to others. You ask a lot of questions in class. I'm so happy for you. I observe. I see that it is working for you. And I'm going to come over and, and ask for help when I need. Because you are a classmate, you're a friend that I can see that, oh, wow, this is working really well for you. But I'm not going to compare myself and be like, wow, that person is so smart and I'm not. I'm not asking questions. So that is a, like a form of using mindfulness is not adding on another layer of yourself because you don't know that person might be working really hard at home. Right. And the second thing is active skills. Um uh, because I didn't have a lot of time since I was working to pay for those classes as well. So I utilize all the time I had. Um, um, so that means that I'm going to use recall strategies. And I that works so well for me. And, you know, it is one of the most effective skills. So right after class, I immediately told myself, OK, what are the three bullet points I can learn from the lectures? Um, okay, and then uh, from the class to my parking lot and driving home, I would be you know, focusing on driving, but I was, you know, <laughs> about what I have learned from the class, kind of teaching myself and teaching others when they needed help. And another thing that really helped me tremendously was pre-reading the lectures, kind of have an idea of, of what these terms mean, because once I'm in class, now I can strengthen my neuronal connections rather than now, you know, actively breaching those connections together. And then I would just calmly sitting back asking questions. And I'm pretty sure there are other lost students who were so lost probably thought I was so smart. You know, <laughs> they came to me later when we studied together and I was being honest to them. I said, no, like I worked really hard when I had time to study aside from work and taking care of my family. I, I told them everything and, you know, pre-reading lectures, recalling, participating in class and doing a lot of problems to really challenge different perspectives and the way I um, interpreted and viewed um, class materials. So those are the three biggest things that really helped me uh, do well in my post back. And, and one last thing is don't be afraid of showing who you are to the world. You know, um, uh, just I, I was in class and I remember raising my hands and asking questions and I, I know this sounds crazy, but I came out of class and one friend told me that there's this one student talking to other people about why does Santana ask so many questions in class? Yeah. Yes. But I realized that, wow, I'm paying for the class. I'm doing the best I can for my own future. And I have overcome a lot. So I do not care what other people think of me. So that is how, you know, I survived and I thrive. And yeah. I love it. I love it. Talk about uh, tra transitioning a little bit based on what you just said about just being being yourself. One of the things that I, I have kind of made it my life's mission is really helping students tell their story, whether it's in a personal statement, in an interview, or anywhere else. Now, I, I do know, even though um, uh, your your pre-health office was awesome, that there was differing opinions on how to write a personal statement. And you showed me the feedback that you got from them. And the feedback that I gave you was, that's just completely opposite of what I think a personal statement should be. Talk about how you were able to, at the end of the day, 
come to your own conclusion on how you wanted to write your personal statement with one side telling you really focus on selling yourself and what do you bring and what is your value and and me over here saying just tell your story about why you want to be a doctor and and like tell your truth how did how did you end up coming to a conclusion on what to write about okay so hopefully i'm going to give i'm going to try to give a concise answer <laughs> but the okay i remember I was thinking to myself, man, Dr. Gray, I'm wondering if he might be frustrated with me because I kept asking him. I got, you know, I, I think deep down, and, and this is something that I'm practicing every day. Mindfulness meditation teach me to be the best version of myself, to be my authentic self. But geez, when I was going through that application process, even though, frankly to you, I wasn't really stressed because I knew that is the nature of the application process. Mm -hmm. I caught myself consistently wanting the best of everything. You know, I, 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 that's why I kept going back and forth. I'm like, I knew doctor, I know what Dr. Gray meant. I know exactly what he's saying, but why are other people so confident about what they're saying as well? And my God, they're just bajillion of different ideas and views. And, and, and even when I complete my story and I, I really truly answer the questions, why medicine? Some people still thought it wasn't great at all. And so after seeing your comment, I asked myself, every time when I'm in doubt, this is what my mom told me. When you're feeling so conflicted, always look at the values and the objectives of why you're doing it, of why you're doing certain things, because that those will be the pointers, the, 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 the guidance for you to know what would be your next step. And for me, which is what you have been telling everybody is to tell your story and to truly answer the questions and not trying to sell who you are, disregard all that, simply presenting who you are without trying to stand out. And I listen to that and I'm like, okay, it doesn't matter what other people think because they're just so many different views. It just, there's just no way. Yeah. And I trust that you have helped thousands of people and I trust your expertise and at the same time I trust my gut my gut instinct is that okay my value is that there's no need for me to stand out I will just be myself be but be who I am answer the questions why medicine even if the story it even if the story doesn't seem like like um, it's it's going to stand out displaying all these qualities I have. People who have been on the admissions, they've been reading so many applications. They will know exactly what I mean in the story. Yeah. They will know without me saying that I did this, I did this, and why I'm qualified to become a doctor, right? And you have said so many times in your podcast and all, in all these phenomenal YouTube videos is that, you know, answer the question, answer why you want to become a doctor, not why you think you would be a great doctor. And that that was why I decided to go with, you know, your yeah. advice. Did you get any feedback on, on the interview trail or talking to anyone about how you presented yourself in your application? Uh, in my application? Yeah. Actually, no. Okay. But I do, my God, who said it? Was it? 
Um, I, oh, it was uh, University of Wisconsin, mm-hmm. and I, one of the um, the interviewers said that, "Wow, you are exactly who you displayed on the application." I, and I remember that. And most people were more interested about my meditation my, and mindfulness. And everybody started sharing about their experiences. And yep. yeah. Yeah. And and that's focused on who you are, right? Meditation and mindfulness, that's a part of who you are. You focus on that in, in your application in different parts. And it, it came out in the interview. I talk about it all the time. Allow the interviewers to know who you are. And then they'll want to talk about that because they're bored talking about, oh, so you think you have the compassion to be a doctor. Okay, great. Tell me a time that you showed compassion. It's just boring. I want to connect with another human being. So I, I'm, gl- I'm glad that in the end you you went with uh, my philosophy. That's not to say the other philosophy doesn't work for some people, but I'm just a true believer in, in telling your story and showing who you are and not just out there trying to sell yourself based on some checklist of traits that you think are required to be the doctor. So it obviously worked out well for you. Multiple interviews, multiple acceptances, some scholarships to go with those acceptances. What was it like to get that first acceptance? Oh my God. I was like, the first acceptance, it was, um, wow. I was just like, wow, I'm going to become a doctor. I'm not going to be in this stage forever. And it, it was, I cried. I thought I, I pictured myself crying a lot more, but it didn't last that long. Um, actually, it was, it was a pure joy of knowing that every, that my dream has come true. Yeah. And I am telling you that it's a, it's a very good reminder for me to understand and remember, because I know med school is going to be tough. Um, I just don't know how tough it would be. I mean, in a couple months is not many people get to achieve their dreams. And and for me to clearly know that being a physician is the only career that I can see myself doing it and to actually achieve the the my dream of getting into med school, man, it's a it's a truly pure joy. And when I called my parents, because it was like two, three in the morning there, geez, they my God, they were crying and they start praying to buddhas and they're like oh my god i can't believe this and yes yes yeah and and just to clarify we we didn't talk about stats at all but if you were to go on to the msar my guess is that your stats were below 10th percentile for for the schools where you're getting interviews and acceptances yes and um all these schools that i got invitation for an interview and getting accepted they are phenomenal school and I I don't want to put rankings on these schools, but when you look at these schools, they are t- so competitive. Um, and, and for someone with my stats and people without knowing my stories, my stats, they would probably think I'm a genius and that I have phenomenal <laughs> 05, 20 MCAT. And, and so, yes, you are exactly right. But I, I, when I listen to your podcast about these things, not looking at the stats, it makes sense, but I couldn't fully grasp it because does, does that make sense? It's, yeah. it's something that I know a lot of medical pre-med students will resonate with me is I understand what Dr. Gray is saying. I understand stats is not everything. And when you select the school, he said not to look at the stats. But actually, when I, I was in the 
in that in that situation as a pre-med student, it was quite risky not looking at the stats. I simply just listen, not, I don't want to say the word blindly, but I trust <laughs> your expertise and I just listen to your podcast. And I'm like, okay, I'm just not going to look at the stats because somehow magically it's going to be okay. Everything will work out. And my story is the living proof of that. You can get in phenomenal. Any school is great and you will become a doctor. But the schools that accepted me and gave me an opportunity to have an interview there, they, if you just look at the AMSA, they are above my reach, way above my reach. Yeah, yeah. Well, Tan Tan, I am uh, truly blessed to be a part of your journey. Thank you so much for allowing me to be part of it. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, YouTube, to share your story and hopefully give a lot of confidence to others out there who may be lacking it. I, I want to circle back to the mindfulness and meditation. What is one thing that anyone who doesn't have a mindfulness practice right now can do to start down this path of, of using some little bit of mindfulness to help them today? Um, Insight Timer app or Headspace app, those are the very practical apps and they cater um, some specific episodes and sections for students with testing anxiety before going to exams, um, anxiety, um, um, chronic pain, uh, being caregiver, anything like that. Very individualized and uh, you can start using these apps because three years ago, I used these apps um, to take care of my own health. And honestly, one of the biggest reasons why I got into med school successfully and I did really well in the post back was because of mindfulness and meditation. So, uh, you know, t take advantage of these resources. And um, I have so many more to offer, but once you start getting into that realm of meditation mindfulness, you will have, uh, you will know what would be your next step. You will know what to do. All right, there you have it. Again, some words of encouragement from Tauntaun. Awesome story. She's gonna be an amazing physician for her patients, an amazing classmate for all of her med student, med school classmates. So. Hopefully you're one of them and hopefully you get to meet her in the future. She mentioned Headspace app, great app. I use it, I try to use it more than I do, uh, but I, I dabble in mindfulness and meditation. I know how important it is and can be. So go check that out. And again, Application Academy is now open to save a spot for the 2022 to 2023 application cycle. So if you're applying next year as this episode comes out, if you're applying in 2022, go sign up at applicationacademy.com. Have a great week. We'll see you next time here on the Pre-Med Years. This is MedEd Media.